0: Don't know about you, Jamie, but I've been concerned with EMFs for over a decade now, and I finally found Soma Vedic, a company that does something about them.
1: And EMFs are what exactly?
0: Electric and magnetic fields, often referred to as radiation. This includes Wi-Fi, wireless devices, 3G, 4G, and 5G. Hmm.
1: So basically, EMFs are everywhere.
0: Yep. And studies show that they can affect sleep, Fertility, brain function, cardiac stress, immunity, and
1: more. Yikes. Thank goodness for Soma Vedic. Sounds like we all need their frequency therapy devices that protect cells against EMF's harmful effects. Definitely.
0: Studies show that Soma Vedic models lower free radicals and improve cellular regeneration, heart rate variability, and blood
1: pressure. So many benefits. And I love that Soma Vedic devices are made of hand blown crystal glass. It makes me feel all zen. And one with the universe just thinking about how these small but mighty devices harness the power of precious stones and minerals to clear my ambient environment. Did you know that some models even structure water? I'm obsessed and you listeners should be too.
0: Head over to somavedic.com and use code OTG10 for 10% off all purchases.
2: Every one of us have a stress bucket, okay? It is filled with physical stress, emotional stress and chemical stress, okay? Now, I would argue that it's the chemical stress that has changed over the last 20 years, if you will, dramatically.
1: Welcome back to an all-new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, Heidi. Hey, Jamie. All right, listen. So
0: I don't know about you, But ever since the first show we did on autoimmune conditions, which I actually think is blowing my mind, was three years ago. Yeah, it was three years with Natalie Azar, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, that's who it was. And we heard on that show that it takes an average of five years and five doctors to get an autoimmune diagnosis. That like crushed my soul and I, and I'm usually a pretty optimistic person, but but ever since then I've been like, I'm going to be the 10 year girl. I'm going to be the one bringing the average up because some people get diagnosed on the first visit. So if the average is five years, I'm like, somebody's 10 years. And I'm like, it's me. It's me. I'm a 10 year girl. So, so all that to say, I am so excited to bring on who I am going to call the Teacher's teacher, because our guest today, Dr. Daniel Pompa, regularly educates the likes of Dr. Will Cole, Dr. Josh Axe, and a bevy of other doctors that the entire world sees in mainstream media every single day. Dr. Pompa's protocols have been used by thousands to successfully manage hard-to-treat conditions ranging from autoimmune diseases, chronic fatigue syndrome, hormone resistance, thyroid conditions, diabetes, fibromyalgia, SIBO. I feel like I'm one of those um, antibiotic commercials and I'm like doing like here's the nine million things, but he actually helps people with these. So there are so many conditions that he helps people understand how to treat, including neurotoxic conditions, MS, so many things. Dr. Pompa is a functional health expert and he is the author of the book's Cellular Healing Diet and Beyond Fasting, and the host of Cellular Healing TV podcast and YouTube show. He regularly speaks on some of the largest natural health stages in the world, including the Bulletproof Conference, Paleo FX, Mindshare,
1: PBS, and many more. Listen to today's show if you continually experience brain fog and fatigue, but don't know why. You keep hearing about the effect scary chemicals and toxins can have on all of us, but you don't really know where to start to keep you and your family safe and you're interested in cellular detox. All right, but I wanted to take a quick left turn before we get into the main interview to bring you another doctor's opinion on a slightly different, but very important topic, your skin. So May is National Melanoma Awareness Month or National Skin Cancer Awareness Month, depending on what site you you look at, but suffice it to say, It's an important month to pay attention to our skin. So I am here with the fabulous Dr. Rena Wyman. Dr. Allow is how I know her, but she's a newlyweds. So Dr. Rena Wyman uh, of Schweiger Dermatology. And guess what? She's not just any board certified dermatologist, She's actually my dermatologist. She is a total pro in the adult and pediatric medical dermatology, skin cancer treatment, and cosmetic dermatology spaces. Dr. Wyman is not only a gifted practitioner, but also an accomplished author of several peer-reviewed journal articles, a national presenter, and the host of Skin the Surface podcast. You can catch her at Schweiger Dermatology Group, which is SchweigerDerm.com, which boasts a whopping 90 offices throughout Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, little personal anecdote. I actually used to go to see Schweiger Dermatology, different practitioners in New York. And when I got here to Pennsylvania, I was so happy to see that there are Schweiger Dermatologies around here. They helped my son with a very, very difficult case of like eczema and some skin stuff he had going on. And then I found Dr. Arena, who's at the King of Prussia location, and I couldn't be happier that we connected because I adore her. And I'm so happy to have her expertise here on the show today. Welcome.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be on.
1: And I'm excited to have you on because this is such an important topic. So I want to just jump right in when it comes to checking our own skin. Cause I think we've all had that weird freckle or that weird mole that we're like, ah, I don't know about that. But then you just kind of like let it go. Cause maybe you're scared to even give it that, pay it that mind. What should we be on the lookout for? Like, are there any tips on giving ourselves a personal skin check that maybe doesn't involve contorting like a Yogi?
3: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a great question. A lot of patients come to me in that, and, you know, yes, to having a dermatologist see your skin every year, or every six months is helpful. But doing your own skin check can be really worthwhile and beneficial. And so, one of the things that, when it comes to looking out for changing something of concern, I always recommend to actually have someone help you with their skin exam. So, whether if you live with someone, a family member, or friend, even I've had some patients come to me and they um, live alone, but they have a neighbor that they trust and say, "Hey, can you take a look at my back?" I always say, you know, I always remember to do it in the shower or a day that you will remember, like your birthday or kind of mark it in your calendar. But what you really want to look out for is moles that are changing or growths that are changing. And so when it comes to skin cancers, there's three basic types. There's something called non-melanoma skin cancers, which are those basal cells and squamous cells, and then melanomas, which are the most deadliest type. And so, when it comes to melanomas, I always say you want to look out for the A, B, C, D, and E's. A stands for asymmetry. So, you really want to see okay, I've had this growth for a while, but it does look asymmetrical. If I were to draw an imaginary line through the center of it, one side looks very different from the other. B is the border. Can you really make out the border? Or is it almost ill defined? Is it phasey? C is color. So, if you see that something has a brown color but there's a little bit of pink in it or there's red or it's variations of that color brown that could be a concern and then d is diameter so i'm not asking everyone to take out a, a measuring tape but if you have an end of a pencil eraser and you kind of put it on that lesion itself and if it's greater than that that's a good rule of thumb to take a look at it with have a dermatologist take a look at it the most important is actually e which is evolving so a lot of patients that come to me with concerning lesions, they may say it was flat. Now it's raised. All of a sudden, this growth became itchy. Now, these can you know, be signs of other benign lesions. But this honestly is what kind of catches my attention when a mole or growth is evolving. So one of the main things when you're looking at your skin is to kind of get familiar with your moles. So in the shower, look at your front, have someone take a look at your back, take photos of your back, you know, and then just keeping an eye on things.
1: That's really smart. I always, you know, I really believe in like before and after photos for all sorts of personal journeys, whether it's a weight loss journey, a skincare journey, just to be able to document the process. So even just putting those into like a certain folder on your phone so you don't take the picture and then it disappears from your life forever and being able to go back and reference it, that sounds like a really good idea. So I've always been curious about freckles because I'm somebody with a lot of freckles and I have freckles all over the place. I've had doctors tell me that I had sun damage because as a young person, I was just an idiot and did all sorts of tanning that I wouldn't do as a more mature woman, but I did it back then. So, What types are actually
3: worrisome and should we be worried about them if we have freckles all over our body? That's a great question. So when we have a lot of freckles, so freckles um, typically can arise in, in different w- in scenarios. So, for example, if we have a family history, mom and dad are, are very fair-skinned. Ethnicity can play a role with freckles. So if you are, you know, German, Irish, English descent, sometimes you tend to freckle a little bit more. And then also sun exposure can trigger a little bit more freckling. When it comes to freckles, what I always recommend is the ugly duckling sign. So very rarely do a does a freckle actually turn into a melanoma. However, if there's a lot of sun damage around a growth, and then that can actually cause a mole or freckle to turn into that melanoma. But usually, freckles are benign. Very rarely do we um, see a progression from a freckle to a melanoma. However, I would say if you have a lot of light brown tan growths or, or freckles and then one really stands out and catches your eye that might not necessarily be a freckle that might be a sun damage spot or that might even be a melanoma what
1: about like skin tags you know when you, we all just have those weird little things uh, pop up and you're like i don't even know should i be popping it should i be picking it i feel like i should be doing something but i don't want to go to a doctor about it right like yeah are those and and should we be worried about them are they can they ever be cancer or are they just annoying
3: yeah. So typically skin tags are benign and this comes up quite a bit. And I've, I've actually seen a lot of videos on on TikTok and social media of just people trying to remove their own skin tags. And so skin tags usually occur in areas of friction. So where skin touches skin. So around the collar, where um, you're around your neckline, where clothing rubs around your armpit and a common misconception, a lot of people um, come to me, is you know, I'm not you know, I'm very healthy. I eat very healthy. Why am I, you know, I exercise. I have a very healthy lifestyle. Why am I getting skin tags? And people think that skin tags are only associated with you know having a certain BMI, body mass index, and not always, um, it could be family history. Um if you do have a lot of skin tags, though, you know, it may be a sign of type 1 or type two diabetes, specifically type two diabetes. So you know, if you have a lot and it would be worthwhile to even t- mention it to your private care doctor, your dermatologist and say, hey, I have a lot of growths underneath my armpit. Should I be screened for type two diabetes? Should I be, you know, should I have something called a glucose check or hemoglobin A one C check? So that can be really helpful when it comes to removing skin tags. You don't necessarily have to do them. A lot of times, um, they get caught in jewelry, so they can become painful. If you happen to rip them off yourself with jewelry or you know shaving and they bleed, that's not a concern. So when skin tags bleed you know, that's just a normal, these little growths are actually filled with blood vessels. Um, very rarely, again, that they do progress into melanoma. Um, there was, you know, um, one case that I, I had come across in the literature where someone had, oh, what it looked like a skin tag-like growth. It was turning a different discol- a different color, very painful, acting unusual, and it ended up actually being a melanoma. So it's if it's very painful, um, if it's growing significantly, you know, changing colors, then it may not necessarily be a run-of-the-mill skin tag.
1: That makes sense. So just kind of know, sometimes our intuition, right? Like kind of mm-hmm. keep an eye on something. If it feels like, man, yeah, this doesn't feel right, maybe ask your doctor. All right. To kind of round the corner here to the finish line, you know one of my besties is Teddy Mellencamp, who famously earlier this year um, had a, a major scare with her skin. If you don't know who Teddy Mellencamp is, she uh, was on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She's also one of my best friends since childhood. We used to live together. And so- I've always closely followed what she's up to, and I did notice that she had these four malignancies removed. And since watching her go through her struggle, I've definitely become more vigilant. And I know she's been speaking out a lot for this month, like on melanoma awareness for this month of May, um, which I think is really great, but because I saw her go through her thing. I. Became more vigilant and made my appointment to come in to see you recently for a full body check. So let's finish this conversation by talking checkups. How often should we be scheduling professional skin checks, and is there anyone who should be getting them maybe more frequently?
3: Great question. So when it comes to skin checks, uh, I recommend an annual skin check for anyone. And honestly, I've had teenagers come see me. I've had um, you know someone in their early twenties come see me, and I've definitely taken off non melanoma skin cancers um, off of someone you know in their later teens. So When it comes to how frequent, I really, it depends on the individual. So if you are someone who's had a history of tanning bed use, even a handful of times, I do recommend seeing your dermatologist at least once a year. If you have a a family history of melanoma in mom, dad, maternal aunts, or uncles, grandparents, again, I recommend annually. If you have a history of a lot of moles, so you have a lot of moles and a lot of them look atypical, Sometimes I'll even send those patients to get full body photography and I'll see them every six months. So not necessarily any moles are of concern where a biopsy that that was atypical, but they have so many to keep track of that it, 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 does, um, it is helpful to do every six months exam. If you've had a history of melanoma within the first year, most dermatologists will see it every three months and then after that every six months. And then if you had a history of non-melanoma, so if you've had some of those little pre spots, some of those growth um, frozen pink spots, basal cells or squamous cells, usually every six months. And then it really, it depends on the individual too. So if someone has a lot of lesions of concern and we address most of them and we say, you know what, we're keeping an eye on things. Why don't, you know, if they feel more comfortable with it, I'm happy to always see most people. Most dermatologists are always happy to see patients every six months. And, you know, it is for most insurance coverages. You know they'll cover it it's a great screening measure and then that way you know it's a great time to be familiar with your own growth so when someone's in a gown we you know introduce them to their own skin so hey did you know that this is a little red spot this is a cherry angioma this is a little freckle this one is a benign growth called the severy characteristics the warty growth you know so just kind of understanding your own skin so to answer your question i recommend every year but if you have a history or skin cancer, sun damage history, blistering sunburn, tanning bed use, then every six months to a year is typically recommended.
1: Fabulous advice. And of course, if you are in the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania or Connecticut area, we do recommend going to Schweiger Dermatology. Um, 90 offices throughout those states. I don't think I even realized it was like so many. That's really fabulous. I know, And honestly, and they do all the things. So the things that are maybe not as fun and pleasant, like the full body skin checks and also cosmetic dermatology. So I always say to Dr. Vina, that'll get me in, right? I'm like, okay, check my body for like anything that's possibly cancer and we'll do a little Botox. It's like, Win win, right? (laughs) Like preventative care and also maybe a little something to just keep the face looking fresh and young. So, I mean, you know, hey, if that's what it takes to get people in, though, just get your butt in the chair, right?
3: Right, exactly. And I think, you know, a lot of times people will come in to see me for a skin exam and they will have apnea and we'll, you know, talk about that. So, a lot of people may not know or hyperhydrosis, excessive sweating. So, a lot of people don't know, you know, what they should be seen why should they be seen by a dermatologist, and what problems that we address so skin exams are a great way to establish care with a dermatologist
1: fabulous dr reena thank you so much we really appreciate you and you know when you never know when a, a little segment like this could save somebody's life so do an
3: important work out there thank you so much for having me
1: welcome to the
0: podcast dr pompa we are so excited to have you with us today
2: Yeah. Can't wait to have the conversation. It's an important one.
0: I completely agree. And I know Jamie does as well. I think I can speak for both of us because we have both had our own journeys with autoimmune conditions. So we love nothing more than speaking with an expert on autoimmune conditions. Can you please tell us in our audience a little bit about how you got into this? I don't want to say niche because it's not really a niche anymore, but I feel like a long time ago it was considered one, but this field.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't choose it. It chose me, um, like so many. I would say, you know, from pain to purpose, for sure. Right? Uh, like so many, right? Listening, and it, it starts with I don't have energy like I used to, right? And then it went from that to brain fog to anxiety, couldn't sleep. Then I found myself with digestive problems that I never had, running from foods, and but you know, it it, it got worse. I mean, honestly, I thought I was overtraining because I was doing a lot of um, training for cycle races that I was doing, and I was running a very busy practice at the time. And so, and I had two young boys, right? So it must be the stresses of life, overtraining, cut back on training, things were getting worse. I was like getting these headaches. I thought I would even take a five mile ride on my bike. And that sounds like a lot, but I was doing probably 300 miles a week and I could ride a hundred miles and be just fine. And five miles was like just, putting me in a state of fatigue. And then when I started not being able to sleep at night, I either couldn't get to sleep, wake up in the middle, I couldn't get back to sleep. And I became sound sensitive. And then I became like unexplainably like irritable, not myself. You know, summing it all up. I became someone who I wasn't, I couldn't function anymore. And I was looking for answers, just like everybody else. But this was back in 1999. So you have to understand I didn't have like the internet power uh, that we do today, at least the things that are on there. Um, but I was good at reading studies and I was good at searching for things and digging and uh, remembering what I accumulated. But although I would, because of dyslexia as a child, I had kind of a photographic memory, but I was losing that. It was really, I was in and out of being able to focus, concentrate. So um, it, everything became harder. But, anyways, everything I teach today came out of all of what I found to get my own life back. And I started teaching its seminars probably in two thousand five, and then I started teaching my own seminars in two thousand eight, and I've been teaching doctors for almost twenty years now.
1: That, that's incredible, and I gotta tell you, like, before I get to my next question, like, I feel like so much of that is what I've been experiencing lately. But then sometimes I'm just like, well, doesn't everyone just feel like this? So how do you know? Because yeah, brain fog, yes. Chronic fatigue, yes. Not having the energy of my former self. Like I used to run marathons. And now when I run my two or three miles, I feel like I'm going to literally die. But I'm like, am I just getting older? I am 10 years older. I am a mom of two. Whereas before I was loose and fancy free. How do you know when it is something or when your mind seems to be playing tricks on you?
2: First of all. It's very common today, to your point, but it's not normal. And the, the level of, look, I, even if you take it back 10 years, people could change their diet and basically deal with every symptom you just said. The lack of energy at the end of the day, right, and you know, the, the brain fog, that was absolutely something that diet alone would handle. Today, it's not like that. The amount of stress that we are exposed to today is the problem but here's when i say the word stress though people immediately think of emotional stress i would argue that the same stressors 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago were there they were different i'm sure but the emotional amount of stress is relatively the same of course it differs in all of our lives but when we look at the stressor that changed the most it's neurotoxic stress here's what happens and i'm gonna this is a good analogy from the time that we are in mama's belly, in utero, as we say, we are accumulating a certain amount of toxins. Let me just give you two examples. Number one, it's normal for women to lose bone during pregnancy, but lead comes out from bone during that bone loss. Our mothers, our fathers, myself, we grew up in the lead generation, meaning lead was just ubiquitous everywhere, and it accumulates, in the body and accumulates in the bone and out from the bone comes the lead into the baby. Four generations, physical inheritance. We can talk about epigenetics, not the point no. I want to make. Another example, mercury. Ladies, the number of silver fillings that your mother's had is proportional. This is the Durash study. Very, This study was done on autopsies of deceased infants The number of silver fillings mom had is proportional to how much was found in the baby's brains, okay? That's very accurate. So we inherited that as well. There's obviously other toxins, but I just took two. Okay, so we start our buckets filling here before we're even born, and then it starts. Then it's vaccinations, which has increased. Me at my age, I probably had four vaccines at the most, I think my father caught me off. I think I had two because I fussed up, and he said, "The hell with it. He doesn't need them." That was my father. He was from Italy. You know, it's a different <laughs> different way of thinking. But so, anyways, our buckets full. We move into moldy to homes, environmental toxins. I mean, all of the toxins today. Oh gosh, they say they're spraying aluminum all through our air right now, which is accumulating with the mercury and all these things. But the bottom line is this okay we can talk about all these things that have filled our buckets ones shake it back and forth a lot i didn't see anything spill the one that's right near the edge it's still below the edge but i shake it a little bit and it's overflowing that's how many of you are living your lives you kind of just reflected that so what is the answer i mean the answer is we have to reduce the stress bucket obviously right but again i'm i doubt many of us can go okay i'm just gonna release all my emotional stress. I doubt that's going to happen. Now, listen, I'm all for dealing with trapped emotions and many techniques for that. But the biggest change has been this neurotoxic issue that is really causing our buckets to overflow. And all those things you said are common because of that
1: ah so how do we detox exactly tell us us a little bit about like so now we know some of the heaviest offenders i mean a few of them you named a few there's eight quadrillion heavy offenders when it comes to things that are toxing us up so how how do we detox what do we need to start doing on a basic level
2: look and there lies the 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 big question right i mean first of all what i learned how to do that is how i got my life back i I did dietary changes and it helped it did It, it helped You know, i was playing the food game, but I still wasn't well. My gut still wasn't healed, even though my diet at that point was perfect to just to try to deal with my situation. I took the best supplements, I had access to them, and I still wasn't well. It wasn't until I got to my cause, and big causes, which we can talk about, that I was able to get my life back. So imagine this too, and and obviously I'm filled with a lot of analogies today, but here's what people are doing today with the symptoms, even we know now that the gut plays a big role in so many autoimmune conditions that we're talking about, so many just immune conditions that people are having. Up the river, if, you, you know, if we speak about upstream or up a river, if we have a factory producing something and they're releasing a lot of lead, mercury, contaminants into the water, here we are downstream like people today and I just bought this brand new piece of property on this gorgeous river. And I'm like, why aren't there fish in here? And my gosh, there's fish dying. And look at the algaes, they're dying. The plants don't look good. So I spend a lot of money and I put it into you know restocking the fish, you know the plants, the algae. I'm making my little ecosystem better. Looks good for a while, three months later, dead again. I do it again, I spend more money, bring in a better expert. And we do the whole thing again, finally, my neighbor comes over and says, hey, Dan, uh, you're spending a lot of money here. You might as well keep your money because 20 miles up the river is a factory dumping mercury into the river. So good luck trying to repopulate it." it. Of course, that makes sense. Why would I do that until I deal with the factory up the river? But this is what we're doing in our lives day in, day out. We have to look upstream to these big causes. And if we deal with the big ones, that I believe most practitioners, even in the functional alternative medicine space, are dealing with incorrectly or not dealing with at all. I feel like we've gotten into more and more fancy testing, SNP testing, genetic testing, microbiome testing. But who's dealing with the factories upstream? You know, that's how I got my life back. I had to deal with that. Diet alone will not deal with that factory upstream. So how how do you deal with the factory upstream? So okay. And, and what was off, your
0: cause, if you don't mind
2: sharing? Yeah, so let, let's look at some of the big causes. So I, I have what I call my five Rs that I teach doctors. This is my five Rs of how you truly detox at the cellular level, which is what you have to do. Because So what's detoxing, the difference from a
0: detox, a regular detox, and a cellular level? What is the basic difference?
2: So we can sit in the sauna, we can take poopers, which make us go to the bathroom, and we you know we call that detox. We can do a 10-day Herb cleanse, juice cleanse, but the problem with really where people stop detoxing what they should be doing day in, day out is at the cellular level. When you get, when your bucket, and again I'm showing a picture of a bucket that's overflowing because we all have this bucket, and yes, genetically some are bigger than others, right? When that bucket overflows, our cells, so imagine 50 trillion little buckets our cells in our body. These detox pathway, every cell has many pathways that have to detox it every day. And it does that because if it doesn't, you don't make energy normal, right? You don't protect your DNA and genes get triggered. Yes, genes of susceptibility get turned on, but they can also be turned off, which is part of what I teach. But the point is, is the cells get more and more toxic. If you don't fix those cellular pathways of detoxification, you will never get well lasting glutathione pathways methylation pathways cell membranes the energy of the cell all of that pertains to how well you detox if you can fix that you'll get well so i have a saying if you fix the cell you get well more specifically you have to detox the cell okay so put that aside we'll get back to that in one second let's talk about you asked the question what happened to me so um finishing my story i was online uh digging and just like wow, we know what happened to me. Obviously, a lot of hours. And one day I found Matt Hatter's disease. Do you ladies remember what that is? No, Matt Hatter's disease was people making felt hats were using mercury in the process because it would, you know, they would build up the felt, would get moldy, etc. Mercury kept the felt clean of pathogens. What happened was, is they became known as Mad Hatters. They were getting mercury poison. So when you look at all the symptoms of Mad Hatter's disease, I had them all. I literally was like, you know, this is me. So what did I do? I went and got a blood test, and um, it came back normal. I mean, it showed some mercury, but in the normal levels. So it was about a year or so later, and I was I was working with a very bright endocrinologist, and I had read all his books. He came from more of an alternative uh, style, I would say. But he said to me, "Yeah, Dan, I think you have mercury toxicity because your body temperatures, your hair was thinning, your thyroid stress, but your blood work was normal. But I, I, you know, it's taking a toll on your adrenals, your thyroid, da da da." And I said, "I thought so too. I did this test." He said, "Wrong test. <laughs> that's it. You had an acute mercury poisoning, like the people making felt hats. You don't. It's probably chronic if that's your problem." As speed up forward, that he was right. I, I did have a mercury toxi- toxicity issue. and um, Mercury accumulates a lot in the brain, in particular, your hypothalamus pituitary, especially because I had a lot of silver fillings, which contained 50% mercury, um, and that mercury goes into the pituitary. That's why I was downstream trying to balance my hormones and couldn't, because the control tower for your hormones is in the center of the brain. Mine was loaded with mercury. Got it from my mother as a start, you know. processed a lot through life, and then my fillings as a child led I probably had eight silver fillings, and it led to the mercury in my brain. Oh, I also wore contact lenses in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s, which had mercury in the thimerosal, so I had a lot of sources, but I was also living in a low-grade moldy home at the time, so I had that stress, the moldy home stress and obviously doing a lot of physical stress training etc three storms come together boom that's how we end up with the autoimmune condition the sickness i call it a perfect storm so when we're when i train doctors i'm always saying you have to find the the person's perfect storm typically it's never one stressor it's a combination of three that come together and the catastrophic storm takes place so anyways getting the mercury out of my brain become became something I had to research first, how to do it safely, how to upregulate my cell function, to do it safely and acting and correctly. And I got my life back. And now I teach that process.
0: That's incredible. And how lucky that you have a medical background. <laughs> so you could do that for yourself. So We had also asked the, we asked you 9 million questions at the same time, but we had also asked like, how does one, you know, detox on a cellular level? And I did notice that, you know, throughout every, like a lot of your published pieces and your books and everything that you sort of put out, there is quite a bit of information on fasting. Mm -hmm. So I guess my question would be, is that something that you do recommend to people to actually detox? Will that help on a cellular level? And I'm not a believer that one size fits all for anyone. So, for example, for me, I have a ton of inflammation. And so at some point a company reached out to me. It's a very widely doctor-used fast. And they were like, Will you try this out? And, you know, post about it on Instagram. And I was like, Well, I don't really believe in posting about fasting because it, a lot of people can trigger eating disorders, a blah, you know, like the whole thing happened in my head. But at the end of the day, I was like, but I really need to lower my inflammation and a lot of these really, really smart humans believe in this, so I will try it out. It was a five-day thing. Now, listen, I'm an on-camera yoga expert. I am physical for a living. I have three very young children. I had three kids in two years. I have a very active lifestyle. There's a lot of physical stress <laughs> that, that I have every day. So for me, I was completely drained of energy. Like, my brain didn't work, and I understand there's a detox portion here, but it felt awful for me. I didn't feel anything good from it. So is fasting a way to do this? Is it for everyone? Did I perhaps not do it properly even though I followed this medical fast? Like what, what is your take on fasting and detox? Yeah,
2: you know, I've learned a lot about fasting in the 90s, so before it was even popular. <laughs> um, and look, uh, to your point, fasting for very neurotoxic people is not a great idea.
0: Actually. What is
2: neurotoxic? The definition. Neurotoxic is uh toxins that accumulate in your nervous system like your brain. Mercury, lead, they're neurotoxins. A biotoxin from mold is a neurotoxin, but it, they call it a biotoxin because because it comes from a living thing, right? Got it. Certain infections make biotoxins which are neurotoxins. So, when I always say, look, you know, we can't avoid all the toxins in our life, right? There's plastics, there's this, there's that, and they do accumulate in that bucket. But These nasty neurotoxins are more powerful uh, than your average toxin. Mercury is the second most toxic thing on the planet, right? And aluminum with mercury is is more toxic than just mercury. Lead with mercury is more toxic. So, you know, we have these neurotoxins that um, are the big, big issue. But um, to answer your question, uh, fasting, when people are really toxic, they start releasing a lot of these toxins out of their fat. And then their cellular ability to get rid of them. Remember, I said, if you don't upregulate and fix the cell, you can't detox normally. And then a lot of the downstream detox pathways, the liver, the kidney, the gut, are compromised. And so you end up redistributing a lot of these toxins. So fasting is a very important part of my multi therapeutic approach to get very sick people well. Fasting can turn off bad genes and upregulate good ones. Fasting gets rid of via autophagy. Your body is smart enough in a fasted state not to take good, healthy cells and use them for energy. But it'll take bad cells, which we call senescent cells, and break them down and use them for energy. So fasting is a way to renew bad. And then every time you get rid of a bad cell, you stimulate a stem cell and replace it with a good one. Toxic people, that all sounds wonderful until you actually try to fast. So I do have strategies of how we protect them with certain binders and chelators while we're fasting them. and then unhealthy people are able to fast more. But to your point also, you don't just fast, you don't just run a marathon. A fast is a great stress to the body, that's why it works. Just like you don't go, or let me use you as the example. Imagine taking someone like me who doesn't do yoga, and taking them through your yoga day, how would I feel the next few days?
0: You'd be you'd be on the news, the guy who had the stroke or whatever. <laughs>
2: like, yeah, exactly. I yeah. mean, I'm not even gonna be able to. Con- so therefore, I took something that was healthy for you and made it unhealthy for me because I didn't adapt to the stress of that exercise, right? So likewise with a fast. You know, my son right now, ironically enough, he is on day 18 of pure water fast. Oh wow. Eighteen. I've been and hearing so much about water fast. What, now, what did him do? he's you know, doing a seminar, right? He has field, but he fasts all the time. You know, my son has done dry fast, right? He's he's a, you know, he his body goes right in to doing the right thing, and all his parameters get you know. Nor- I mean, everything is amazing, right? So we'll get back to that in a minute because you probably have a thousand and one questions <laughs> on it. Okay, so,
0: how did so, you know? Anyway,
2: yeah. <laughs> Can you just throw something like that out there without? Like, yeah, oh, exactly. God, how is that possible? But the point is, is many people they have to start with a partial fast, where they're just diminishing calories and protein for a certain amount of days, and and then we still evaluate: did they adapt to that stress or not? Just like exercise, because many people might not. So fasting maybe something they can't do for 3 months until we detox them further. Yeah, you, know, you see so you have to know that fasting like exercise is a stress and you have to apply it differently to everybody, right? It's like even women around their cycle. I've taught my doctors. It's like, you know, there's a time that women get better results than others. There's a time to feast and there's a time to famine. Now, in the space I said I studied this in the 90s. And I had to convince people of the benefits of fasting correctly, right? Today I find myself going, wait a minute, you're fasting too much. You know, it's like, and you're fasting incorrectly. And you're trying to fast like everybody else when you know you have to fast like you. It's like so everyone's intermittent fasting daily the same. Everyone's doing this fast. And it's no different than cold baths. Everyone's doing a three-minute cold bath. You know how devastating that is for many people? Because they can't adapt to the three-minute cold bath, right? If you adapt, it's like your yoga, awesome, right? But if you don't adapt, that three minute cold bath is a very big negative. By adapt, body.
1: do you mean easing into it or do you mean understanding if that's the best thing for your body?
2: That, that's a great question. So, what I mean adapt is so let's take the exercise. You go into the gym and you exercise. We know that you get this hormone optimization because your body has to adapt to the stress of exercise. So it adapts by raising up norepinephrine, which raises up growth hormone, which raises up antigens like testosterone. And your body goes, okay, I'm gonna heal. And if you heal, you adapt. Now, if you don't adapt, so let's take the cold bath, right? So you you do the cold bath, same thing happens. Norepinephrine goes up. Your body goes, I'm gonna die. And it goes, it releases growth hormone and all these amazing hormones to adapt to the stress of the cold. But when you don't adapt, Norepinephrine goes up, growth hormone goes up, and then you have this crash because it can't keep the levels going and you crash. Just like someone in the gym working out too hard, if I did her yoga routine, it would be too much. I couldn't recover and I would get a hormone de-optimization. If you adapt, you get a hormone optimization. Everything is adaptation to stress and that's how you get stronger, not weaker. Make sense?
1: It does make sense. I th- I think this begs the question for us. Heidi and I have been really talking to a lot of experts recently on toxins and, you know, Heidi lives an extremely clean lifestyle. I, you know, I'm green curious, right? Like I do my best and then, but, I, but Heidi, it's like top of mind all the time for her. But what I'm hearing is a lot of it's out of our control. Maybe it happened in our parents' generation. Maybe it's the, the literal factory down the road. Maybe it's like EMF, you know, whatever, like who knows, right? We can't control everything in our environment. So I'm just wondering, do, does somebody really need to go into this with the assistance of a doctor? Because I wouldn't even know where to start in evaluating the types of chemicals that are stressing out my body. I went and did muscle testing. It's so hard you know, for the layperson to even believe that that's a real thing because it just seems so weird. So where does the layperson start with all of this?
2: yeah look I, I mean it depends where they are with their bucket right back to the bucket right if your bucket's already at the top yeah look you're, you're going to need i started a program called the papa program i taught doctors like i said for you know 20 years this i brought directly to the public um, finally and with the goal of teaching people the process that i've taught for 20 years because the point is is to some degree i feel like everybody needs to upregulate cell function, even to keep their detox pathways functioning, because the amount of toxicity that we're under today, right, all the stressors included. So the program was designed for the layperson to go through and learn the process. Because here's the problem too: it's a little different for everybody, just like fasting, right? The, you know, certain things will work better for you, Jamie, than Heidi. Heidi, certain chelators work better for you. Doses for Heidi will be different than Jamie. So. I I really put the program together for this education on how you dial it in and learn it for you. I believe that everybody today needs some form of detoxification. I think it's more important than anything today because of the level of toxicity. I wouldn't have said that 10 years ago, honestly. I really mean it. I would have said 10 years ago, oh, some people need this for sure to get their life back. Some people need this for sure Otherwise, they're going to end up losing their life like I did. But today, I feel like everybody needs some level of it. Now, um, can some people learn some techniques to do themselves? Yeah, I I, I think that's possible. But once you've been diagnosed with a thyroid condition, the endocrine condition, diabetes, autoimmune, you're going to need someone to teach you cellular detox very specifically. And it's not a detox in a box. It's not sit in the sauna. It's not take more poopers. It's not. I mean, there is a process here that passionately I've been putting out there for many, many years.
0: That, I, I laugh every time you talk about the sauna because I'm like obsessed with my infrared sauna.
2: <laughs> I love, I love it. I, I'm sauna. And I'm not saying anything negative about a sauna. You know, I'm not even saying negative about poopers, right? Yeah, right. You got you know, get, get to get the people up to get the bowels moving. So you know I, I have a sauna here, and I love it. Mm. But It has to be part. Of a yeah. cellular detox program. If you don't fix the cell, you're not going to get well. Those pathways have to be fixed. And you have to use real binders and chelators. I, let me, let me, I, you know, I, I keep drawing things and most people aren't going to see it's okay. the drawing. We'll talk but it out, but we'll talk
0: it out. Yeah.
2: Okay. We're going to talk it out. Okay. So I am drawing a cell. Okay. So there's a round circle. That's a uh, cell. Oh, I'm going
0: back to <laughs> biology class. I don't know if I okay, I, <laughs> I, you, I
2: will not get too <laughs> I promise you. All right. If everyone can picture a cell with a circle, right? Yeah. Okay, we're we're all on the same page. All right. So he, part of the process that I teach is we have to and I already said this, right? I have my five Rs of how we upregulate this cell function. And in the R's I'll bore people with biochemistry if I go through them, right? It's like, but I, I talked about regenerating the cell membrane, I talked about the cell energy, I talked about methylation. So all, all of that's part of the five R's. But the point is, is once we get the cell detoxing, the problem is, is the toxins start to go out of the cell. Now, you've probably heard of chelation. Have you heard of chelation therapy? I haven't. Okay. Chelation means you take a chelator. That means that it's the Greek word for like grab, hand. It, it, it grabs onto something and it pulls out of the body. People try to get uh, well by detoxing just with chelators. Doesn't work unless we upregulate all those cell detox functions, right? That I talked about. Now, chelators play a role outside of the cell, where we need this vehicle to grab onto these toxins, right? So, chelators grab onto the toxins out here. So, outside of the in, cell. Outside mm-hmm. of the cell. So I'm putting X's outside of the cell. We move the X's, the toxins, from inside the cell. Outside the cell through the process of upregulating cell detox pathways. Okay. Now, if we don't grab them out here, what happens is they redistribute. So those little X's or toxins float around, end up crossing deeper into the brain. Mm -hmm. That's why people go, I did detox, I got worse. Yeah. Because they redistributed toxins other places. Not a good idea. Now, many people in the alternative space try to chelate with weak chelators like cilantro, Corella herbal things. They're not real chelators. They don't hold on, grab on and pull it all the way out of the body so it's gone forever. But when you use real chelators, after getting the cells to start the function, now we prevent redistribution.
0: Is a real chelator a pill? Is it a food? Is it, what
2: is it? A lot of people use IV chelation, which I don't like because when you use chelators, you have to keep them in the blood high enough so you don't get redistribution. So when you go to a doctor or practitioner and do an IV chelator, that's a real chelator, but then you go home and you start redistributing. So I like oral chelators. I like pill chelators because we can keep the level up in the blood high enough, long enough to prevent redistribution. Okay? Following me so far? Yes. Fix the cell, upregulate pathways. The cell starts getting rid of toxins but then we need something to grab the toxins, these chelators that actually work, to prevent redistribution. One other problem. Many of the toxins end up getting brought, and I drew a liver down mm-hmm. here, okay? They get brought to the liver where they bind up with something called bile, and that's just a fatty substance that we use to help digest fat, okay? That is made in the liver and stored in your gallbladder. However, here's the problem. bile. Binds these toxins up, and you use bile to digest fat in your intestines. I'm going to draw, now imagine me below the liver drawing intestines. Looks like a snake, (laughs) but I assure you that is your intestines. Okay, so the bile is used to digest fat in your intestines, but here's the problem it brings those little X's that I drew, the toxins, with it into the gut. So people end up destroying more of their gut microbiome. Oh my goodness. They destroy their liver. And here's the bigger problem. That bile that you dump, it's a toxic bile complex now that you just made because of your attempts to detox. Well, your body's designed to reabsorb the bile back to the liver so it doesn't have to remake it. Yeah. So that's called auto-intoxication. And that goes around and around and people just continue to be sick, destroying their gut, straining their liver. So what do we do to prevent that? We put binders in the gut that stay in the gut to grab that toxic complex. So we ultimately pull it all out of the body. So that process, think of it as in three steps, those that now that visually went through that. Upregulate the cell detox. We use chelators out here to prevent redistribution. We use gut binders down here to prevent that auto-intoxication. That process, is what I call cellular detox. That process is what I've taught for, like I said, you know, 20 years. And now, like I said, I'm directly teaching the public that process.
1: And we thank
0: you for teaching the public that process.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it mean, sounds like something you would want to do with a doctor, but I suppose people can also read your book as a, books as a starting point, because at least, you know, we just need to wrap our head around this stuff. I think so often when when you can't see it, when people can't see something, they just think, eh, it doesn't really exist, you know, I'm trying, sure. and so Heidi and I have been talking about this a lot, it's like we're all just learning about the the PFAs or PFAs, however you say it, <sighs> and things like, you know, feminine hygiene products, things that we've all been using for a gazillion years, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh! <gasps> What have I been doing to myself? So what I like, did I do to my children with their diapers? Well, I mean. It's the mercury of our parents' teeth, right? Is like my tampons, right? So it's like, we're just passing down these generational toxins and all of these things and more seem to be discovered every day. Um, it seems like a lot to keep up with. And to be honest, it sounds very overwhelming to somebody like me.
2: I, I, I think it is overwhelming. Uh, you know, it's, I'm just being honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, being healthy today is uh, more of a task than ever. You know, and I, I think detox done correctly has to be a part if you want to live long, healthy. I, I do. I, it's diet change is part of that process. I teach diet change. You know, I teach my diet strategies, how to change your diet. I we just discussed my fasting strategies. I think all that's important, but none of it works unless we empty that bucket. Uh, now, again, I I think you know, Jamie, we have to be responsible for what we're putting in the bucket, right? Because you made the comment earlier, and I do agree, some of the things is just out of our control. What we inherited from our parents is out of our control, right? And you know that starts the bucket filling. But if we make conscious decisions in life, we can minimize what we're able to control in that bucket. Let's take some examples. So the makeups that you girls use, there's 500, I think it was estimated 800, some chemicals that you females start your day with. Men not me. it's more of, more of I, know, I know I do. And
1: I've watched yeah, the documentaries and they're terrifying.
2: I shouldn't have said you female. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, and and men, this I one. think it's taking like, accountability. Four yeah.
2: or 500 chemicals that we're put, you know, we as humans will put on, right? Deodorants, you know, men obviously they're not putting makeup necessarily, but they're using other things. So regardless, let's just go with 500 chemicals, right? 200 some are known cancer causers, right, that have been allowed into our usage of personal products. So we can change the products we're using. Stephanie Seneff, um, when we talk about this perfect storm of why people are getting sick, Stephanie Seneff, she's a senior scientist at MIT, and in 2012, she did a study showing that a chemical called glyphosate—Hi, Jamie, I'm going to ask you because you already admitted you're not the uh, the, the more privy one to this, okay. right? So I'm psycho. It? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: okay,
2: yeah, I got I got this <laughs> By the way, this breaks up the perfect interview, right? Because you we know, you, you were addressing two different types of questions coming in. So Jamie, have you heard of the chemical glyphosate?
1: I have, yes. OK.
2: And w- where are we getting most of that chemical from?
1: Is it weed killer, stuff like that? It is. It is.
2: It, it's the active ingredient in Roundup Whereas, if you watch TV on any regular basis, you'll see there's billions of dollars being basically awarded to people damaged from this chemical. Yet, if you walk in Home Depot, you'll see Roundup and glyphosate sold everywhere. That's how strong the lobby is. Now, this is being sprayed on most of our food supply, even today. Because they don't just spray it as an herbicide pesticide. They spray it to desiccate, um, which means like a grain. If you spray it on a grain before harvest, it causes a little bit of dehydration. It makes the harvest more profitable and easier. So you can see why it's used. The problem with this chemical is that it basically, how it works is it pulls minerals you know, from the soil. And in that process, it takes weeds out, et cetera. Okay, so this is what it does in the human body. But one of the things it does is it is killing our microbiome It's opening up our blood-brain barrier and our gut barrier. And in this 2012 study, Stephanie Seneff showed that it's allowing the toxins that we already had in our bucket, maybe just from mom, right, and, and inherited, and it's allowing them to cross deeper into our brain and other tissues, creating an explosion of autism, creating an explosion of dementia, hormone dysregulation, and all of which we've been talking about. So the perfect storm is happening. I'm just going to put a G here for glyphosate, and then we can put in whatever we want. We can put in. Um, we have three intersecting and... circles. Right. what yes, We the three... we're looking at. Remember the movie, um, the the Perfect Storm. Mm-hmm. It was of the course. 80s George Clooney movie. Okay. The movie showed that when three storms come together, it creates a catastrophic storm where thousands of people die. It's horrible, right? Well, this is the storm. That I describe with how autoimmune takes place in the storm of how people all of a sudden go, What happened to my life? Three stressors come together and create this catastrophic storm. The ca- catastrophic part of it is your gene gets triggered. We all have genes of susceptibility. Jamie, you said you had an autoimmune condition. I don't know what, you, what, what you're diagnosed with. Heidi, you said you battled them, whatever. Those were susceptibilities that you had, right? could have been um, Hashimoto's, it could have been a gut one, doesn't matter. It triggered the gene. We all have the weaknesses. The perfect storm triggers the gene, and we end up with the diagnosis, right? And again, the perfect storm, the glyphosate, according to Senef, is part of it, mercury, lead. We talked about mold, and it could even be one of the emotional storms, right? right? Mm -hmm. Trapped emotions from childhood. We have all the neurotoxins that we discussed and the glyphosate, glyphosate allowing the chemicals to go deeper, boom, and we wonder why we're so sick today. All we can do, Jamie, is we're responsible. We can get rid of one of the storms by limiting the amount of glyphosate food we eat by eating 100% organic. I know- That was my question.
0: Called- I'm like, even organic? <laughs> yeah. you
2: no, know, Look, you might get some drift, right? It's called drift where it blows to the next thing, right? But um, ultimately, you can lower the levels of that glyphosate dramatically by eating all organic, not drinking Napa wines, <laughs> um, which is uh, you know loaded with glyphosate. But you know, and then we can be more cautious about the water we drink. We can be more cautious about the personal care products. So, therefore, personal responsibility can lower the bucket to a point.
1: This is unbelievably fascinating and I think Heidi and I could probably keep you all day <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but, but we'll, we'll, tr- we'll try not to because I think we've given our listeners a lot to think about potentially scared them but you know what I think you. you no no I think control. we
0: empowered them a little bit by s- explaining that they can take control by lowering one of the buckets of the one of the circles of the perfect storm
1: and I like that Heidi but like I think it's also okay to be a little sca- a little shaken up like because someone like me who is moderately you know, adhering to, you know, you know green leaning tendencies. But then sometimes I just say, eh, eff it, or whatever, or or the, the non-organic is is less expensive, or whatever choice they make that day that's maybe a little less mindful. Sometimes you need to be shaken up a little bit and be like, you know what? This actually is a big deal. And if you don't take care day after day, you're going to have a problem. So I really do thank you for opening our eyes to that. I mean, it's a big deal and we're headed towards a really bad place if we don't get a little more aware. So we always have one last segment that we do in our show. I'm going to sing it loud and proud. It's called Karma calls,
0: and then I hand it to <laughs> Gorgeous, Dewey. You are so ready for the stage. Um, I will explain, being the yoga expert, that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our amazing knowledge-filled guests, that would be you, what is one small actionable item that our listeners could take for a short period of time that would yield a large result? Small action, big result.
2: Small action, big result change the water you're drinking i mean if you look at what's in water and i say that because i've been out to dinner with many people very well-known people in our space and i'm surprised when they drink tap water loaded with hormones loaded with every toxin glyphosate all the things we're talking about when it's so simple to just change the water you're drinking and i'll make one more suggestion because it's so easy Get rid, consciously, get rid of vegetable oil and canola oil in your diet. Why did I say that? Because remember I said that real detox is a cellular issue. The cell membranes are made up mostly. The most important fat is one that may surprise you, omega-6, and vegetable and canola oils are omega-6, and they go right for the cell membranes, drive inflammation, and stop the cell's ability to detox. So you can control getting rid of these bad fats in your diet today, right? So do those two things. Change your water. Make sure you drink clean water. Don't drink city tap water, whatever it is, and get rid of vegetable oil in the diet. I go to a restaurant. I say I'm allergic. Can you use real butter or olive oil? And that's a big one.
1: That's something go. anybody can do, and it's a great place to start. Thank you so much. We really enjoyed this. We really appreciate you. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you, both on Instagram and where they can find all the great things you're doing in your books?
2: Yeah. I mean, now, I mean, I have a pretty big Instagram channel, so if you just put in Dr. Pompa, you'll find it. Um, and if you go to PompaProgram.com, uh, you can watch some training, as I did. Uh, they switch the trainings all the time, but PompaProgram.com.
3: Amazing. Fabulous thank
1: you so much for this. It was chock full information. Thank you so much for joining and listening at home. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off The Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time.